0: This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and Easter Sunday, please consider In Your Almsgiving, a tax-deductible gift to our ministry. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the spiritual journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined once again by Father Robert Spitzer, who is the former president of Gonzaga University. He is founder and president of the MAGIS Center, committed to the revitalization of transcendence and virtue through the close connection between science, reason, and faith. He is also the president of the Spitzer Center for Ethical Leadership. He is the author of numerous books, including Healing the Culture, Finding True Happiness, Five Pillars of the Spiritual Life, and Ten Universal Principles. With Father Robert Spitzer, we go inside the pages of The Light Shines in the Darkness Transforming Suffering Through Faith, published by Ignatius Press. Father Spitzer, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, it's great to be back with you again, Chris.
0: Father Spitzer, I cannot get over this new book from you. The light shines on in the darkness. It's it's incredible. I I can't call it anything less than a, a catechism for suffering.
1: Oh, I have to tell you, it's exactly what I intended. I really wanted to give the most comprehensive treatment of suffering, not only in the Catholic Church today, but in the whole Christian uh, tradition today, because, uh, you know, the, the, it's, the problems with suffering and religion are so extensive, I just wanted to sort of try to answer as many questions as possible in a single volume, so people might look at it and go, oh my gosh, you know, this is a big, thick volume. But what it's really trying to do is a catechism, as you put it. I mean, it's trying to answer that question, why would an all-loving God allow suffering? Now, I deferred that to the end, chapter 10, but it's also trying to answer, you know, well, what's the whole Christian theological perspective on suffering, and how is it different from the Old Testament? I mean, the Old Testament, you know, is, is the beginning of Revelation, but Jesus does supersede certain things in the Old Testament about God and about suffering. So so what is kind of the, the whole revelation on, on God and, and suffering, especially from the vantage point of Jesus looking back on the Old Testament tradition so I, I wanted to get that in because a lot of misinterpretations of God and suffering have led to people not taking advantage of the full graces that Paul that Saint Paul and Jesus himself intended for us to get in, in those times of real desolation. And then the third question I was trying to answer is how do Christians suffer well? Mm. I mean, you know, this is the whole thing of when suffering strikes. You know, if you kind of have the right views of God and suffering and the resurrection and you, you really feel confident in the resurrection and, and, and uh, you know, you have a sense that God, of course, has a real purpose in the suffering for us. That, you know, he uses this to deepen our faith and to deepen our love and, and to lead us ultimately to salvation and to help us lead others to deepen their faith, their love, and get to salvation. If all of that is, is, is the case, that, that God is going to use suffering, even suffering caused by pure natural causation, the blind force of nature, you know that God's going to use every scintilla of it to bring optimal resurrection from that cross. If that's the case, then how do you suffer well? So I've got a whole section, it's really five whole chapters, on just suffering well. Um, You know, how to pray during times of suffering, how to control fear and anxiety during times of suffering. You know, what are the opportunities of suffering that we'll want to optimize when suffering is occurring in in the aftermath? And finally, how do we follow the Holy Spirit Mm. in times of suffering? How does he lead us and how do we discern, uh, you know, how he's leading us in times of suffering? And all that is so richly part of the Christian tradition. In fact, you know, if, if somebody... Said, you know, why be a Catholic? You know, I, I would, you know, my first thing, of course, would be the Holy Eucharist, and 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 it without any doubt. But my, and my second thing would be the Magisterium because I'm I'm the infinite rationalizer. You know, mm. I mean, there's there's no question. I, I I need that real teaching of the Church and that that real instruction to keep myself aligned. But next to one and two, I would just say my number three thing would be. The Catholic Church does suffering really, really well. We don't try to, you know, pussyfoot around it. We don't try, you know, to just cover it over. I mean, we acknowledge it is there. It is painful. But boy, there are ways of mitigating that through our faith. And the the Church unequivocally never has talked about if you are living a good life, then God wants you to succeed. Or if, you know, God, you know, is is on your side, you'll never suffer. I mean, these kinds of theologies are just so bogus. But the Catholic Church simply comes right out and says, it's here, everybody's going to have some, get ready, but suffering plus faith is going to lead to a deepening of your faith, a deepening of your love, ultimately to your salvation and it's going to help you to help others to deepen their faith, deepen their love and to get to their salvation. If you see that formula of suffering plus faith is pure positivity, even though it's painful and difficult, then I think, you know, you've captured, you know, the Catholic churches and Jesus is, by the way, Jesus is I think the Catholic Church is so absolutely loyal and our saints you know, Therese of Lisieux, Therese of Avila, John of the Cross speaks so much about suffering in in in, the, in, in, in its positive light, St. Augustine and so forth. Uh, you know, we are just a tr- really rich in dealing with suffering, you know, through God's grace in a positive way, instead of either trying to escape from suffering, complaining bitterly at God about suffering, or just simply you know coming, you know creating a false theology that you know uh if if god wants you to succeed you're not going to suffer some false expectation like that so i mean i think we we do it well and so i tried to get all these things into the book and so you look at it and you go why such a thick book on suffering because if you're going to answer those three questions you know the theological preparation how do you suffer well and why would an all loving God allow suffering in the world? You got to have a thick book. But if you're just suffering mm-hmm. and you just got to, you need some advice straight away, start with chapter four. Mm-hmm. But whatever you do, do not ignore chapter one on the resurrection perspective. But that, it, it was, it was a catechism on suffering. I wish I had gotten that phrase myself. Yeah. Uh, because I could have used it for my advanced publicity. But now I'm going to steal it from you, Chris, if that's okay with you.
0: Oh, you go right ahead. I mean, for as much as you've given me over the years, this is just a little thing. Take it. Because, you know, like a catechism, I'm so glad you brought up all the different chapters. But for me, you know, absolutely. Chapter 1, I'm reading it. Chapter 4. And the thing that jumped out at me for this particular time in my life was Chapter Mm 7 and Chapter 8 it's you know? it's about listening to in in that relationship like you said suffering with our faith but when you yeah. listen to why is god allowing this why is this happening to me and dealing with what you're hearing
1: yeah, I mean there are chapter seven and eight. You know, chapter seven is called the opportunities of suffering, and and chapter eight is about how to offer up our suffering and the rich tradition that that is in the church. And and those two chapters, I I, I would say, you know, uh, they surely tell why God allows suffering. I mean, you don't even have to get to chapter ten because implicitly the answer is there. But for a Christian who has faith boy if you can just see the opportunities in suffering i i mean there's so many opportunities first of all just to shock us out of superficiality and and move us into a direction of a much more uh faith filled and 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 uh you know deeply loving and compassionate life i mean the, in my life and i'm very autobiographical autobiogra- in those chapters because mm. i have to tell you my blindness helped me so much i mean you know, I mean, I've been going progressively blind since I was 30 and right now it's getting pretty bad. And even though I have a chance at a retinal prosthesis uh, in September that could really return a lot of my sight, I have to tell you, there have been graces upon graces. And this is just uh, an opportunity that was recently made available to me, but it really has helped me a lot. And, uh, Certainly not the least of which is helping me with the the issue of humility, which uh, Paul brings up explicitly in Second Corinthians 12. Right, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Lord gave me a thorn in the flesh and angel of Satan to beat me to keep me from getting proud. And I think you know he observes later, you know, in the same passage, that because of his suffering. You know, Christ is growing stronger within him as he weakens. And, of course, you you know, my theory that Paul was going blind, too. And, um, you know, I I really do believe that um, he saw uh, the graces of being dependent on others, dependent on Christ, trusting in Christ. And, of course, it it helped him immensely. So, um, you know, there's just so much there. You know, but there's so many other opportunities in suffering. I mean, they, it not only deepens your faith and your trust in God, it certainly deepens your love. And so many ways in, in which it does that, you know, it also gives us the opportunity to serve others and, you know, serve their souls, their eternal being to try and help them in their faith. Because when a suffering person talks to another person who just doesn't have nearly the difficulty that they're having people st- sit up and listen because you know where of you speak they they know you know that okay i've got problems, but you know you've had problems and and uh that's good so i'm going to listen to you you know like I never listen to anybody else and I want you to tell me how you know you've grown in your faith or how you've grown in, in love. And, and amazingly, a person who has suffered is a tremendous disciple. And, and w- one of the reasons I believe that, you know, St. Therese of Lisieux is such a popular saint is because she made an entire ministerial life. I mean, a life, a ministerial life out of offering up suffering that to any person without faith would seem completely meaningless and useless. But in point of fact, she is offering it up. It's a whole ministry for her. It, there's a beauty in terms of the transformation of her soul that comes from that self-offering, but also her belief in how God is just showering graces upon the church and the world through her self-offering in conjunction with the self-offering of Jesus on the cross. So, I mean, there's just so much there, and um, it's it's really... Uh, Like I said, it's one of the things the Catholic Church does really well, and I'd put it right in the top three, you know, along, of of course, with the Holy Eucharist and the Magisterium. I'd put it right there.
0: Well, Father Spitzer, I'm so glad you brought up those saints, especially those who can help us to be able to imitate Christ, to follow in and offer. And one of those saints that you bring up is one that's close to you, is Saint Ignatius of Loyola. And oh, that yeah. you know, so often we think of him maybe just as the one who would give us the spiritual exercises and or yeah. you know a method of discernment, but he really I, I, and. You, Please forgive me, is the, you the professor and I am the poor Latin student. But no, no, never, no, 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 <laughs> no. I can never say suspeachi. Sus, sus, yeah. I can't say the prayer I the name yeah. of the prayer. The
1: sushi The sushi pay. Pay, that's it. You know, yeah. where
0: he says he he's showing yeah. us how to do that offering like Christ, even our suffering, yeah. isn't he?
1: Yeah, exactly. And in fact, you know, I mean that whole prayer. You know, Take, Lord, receive my liberty, my memory, my understanding, my entire will. Whatsoever I have or hold, you have given it to me. I give it all back to you. Dispose of it wholly according to your will. Give me only your love and your grace. That's enough for me, mm-hmm. and I ask for nothing more. Well, it's like a gigantic prayer of thy loving will be done. And, um, you know, um, when I talk about, uh, in chapter 4, I, I give 12 prayers little spontaneous prayers to help out during times of suffering. But I conclude with that last one, thy loving will be done. Mm -hmm. And of course, the sushi pay is that prayer. And and of course, St. Ignatius Loyola, he speaks out of his own experience, because, you know, as many people maybe don't know, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, he was uh, before, uh, he was a soldier, and he was a soldier's soldier. And, uh, you know, he was a ladies man. He was a courtier. He loved dueling. He killed some people dueling. I mean, he was not a nice guy. Uh, it certainly wasn't a saint in his former life. And he was the first to admit it. And then something happened. The best grace of his life, just like St. Paul's blindness his thorn in the flesh, a cannonball. You know, I mean, he's, he's a super macho soldier. He's standing atop the parapet of this citadel trying to rally the, the Spanish forces against the French forces, and they were outnumbered eight to one, and he's still trying to, you know, hold on, boys, you know, and he's standing up at that parapet, and this cannonball comes and whacks him right in the leg, and his bone is just, you know, it's a complete, you know, break, and the bone is sticking right out of his leg. And, of course, he's in utter pain. He's totally disfigured, and he was so vain, right? And, and Mm -hmm. of course, the the French say, okay, you know, you're a dignified leader. We're going to let you go down to one of these Spanish hospitals there, and you can recover there with the sisters. So, of course, the first thing St. Ignatius says is, hey, you got any of those romance books about the knights in shining armor rescuing the damsels in distress? And the nuns go, no, we don't have anything like that here. He goes, well, what kind of books you got? She goes, well, we have a life of Christ and a life of St. Francis. Mm-hmm. And the nuns go, well, I guess I'll take one of those, you know. So, of course, you know, he, he starts reading these, and the Holy Spirit is all over him. And he is moved as he's reading this life of Christ. And he had no idea. He would have never read this. If he weren't in the hospital with the broken leg with the nuns. But he's got it in his hands and he is moved. And then he's moved by the poverty of St. Francis. And of course, he basically starts asking for more Lives of the Saints, you know, and he starts reading these things and he's becoming converted. And in the very hospital room, he is so vain that when he sees the bone protruding out of his leg, he just goes, I can't have this. Saw that chunk off and rejoin my leg. And he does it without anesthetic. Of course, he faints, you know, and he almost doesn't recover. Mm -hmm. But in God's good grace, he does. And when he does recover, he still has a limp, and he's kind of slightly disfigured, which always irks him in his vanity. Just like Paul's blindness is kind of irking him, you know mm-hmm. he you know hes he, he can't even recognize a a <clears throat> high priest in full regalia, but the point is the whole time, grace after grace is being given to Ignatius of Loyola, in the you know the pain, the breakdown of his vanity, the disfigurement and of course he turns out to start the greatest religious uh you know order you know in the counter reformation It was literally at the head of the counter reformation and you know grows to the biggest religious order in the world and you know he's you know kind of taking over the seminary education and you're thinking all this good has come out of a cannonball hitting this vain soldier in the leg typical god I'm telling you, do not underestimate the surprises and the adventures of grace that come from suffering, cannonballs, blindness, and all kinds of grief, because the good is enormous. And that's really, you know, one of the great, great biographies, you know, of of testimonies to what suffering can do for the world.
0: We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages
1: Amen.
0: Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, What you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Inside the Pages. There is so much going on inside of Ignatius, not only the physical, but it's also the emotional, the, the wounding, oh, yeah. dying to all the things we cling to to try to build up our egos and to satisfy yeah. those wounds that we think we need to heal.
1: Absolutely. And that's why I spent so much time in Chapter 7 talking about all those little emotional deals That start taking place, but all the opportunities to sort of purify those emotions, to get around these little uh, problems, you know, of what I would call, you know, the Spitzerian narcissistic difficulties, you know, and God has these ways of kind of increasing compassion, increasing empathy, increasing your awareness of what's going on in other people, increasing your patience, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing, you know. And if I didn't have that suffering, you know, I mean, you know, my high school yearbook, right? I mean, what do they write about me in my high school years? Does not suffer fools gladly. Well, you know, that might seem like a nice accolade, you know, when you're in high school or college, but that's not what you want on your gravestone, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the epitaph, you know, for your gravestone, because if that's all there was, then you didn't do any good for the world. You were just intolerant with people who you considered to be less talented than yourself. Great. What an epitaph. That's a horrible epitaph. So, you know, again, it's like, you know, uh, Ignatius didn't suffer weaklings gladly, and all of a sudden he turns into this minister of compassion. But in order to do so, he needed a lot of soul searching. And so the, the spiritual exercises, you know, especially those meditations on the life of Christ, and some of his special meditations were really how to parlay that suffering, how to lever that suffering into, you know, something that would increase those opportunities for love. Now, I I try and put it out in really prosaic terms, but Ignatius gives meditations, you know, like uh, the three degrees of humility, or, you know, he'll give the the two standards, uh, or the, you know, they're imaginative meditations. what ignatius does is he would maybe take my concepts and put it into images and the images are supposed to be meditated on so that when you've got it going in the imagination the holy spirit kind of takes over in the imagination and leads you beyond where you could lead yourself and that's uh, the method to is madness but again you know, it, we waste the opportunities of suffering if we do not, you know, first of all, know what we're looking for. What, Where are the opportunities? Where do they lie? And of course, uh, you know, in, in knowing what those opportunities are, then levering them to deepen our love, to deepen our faith. To help other people's de- people deepen their love and deepen their faith, and ultimately, as Ignatius calls it, in the first principle and foundation, to be to you know advance you know the very purpose of our lives, which is of course uh, to to move into the kingdom of heaven uh, with the Lord and to help others to do likewise. And so that's that's the first principle and foundation. It's all oriented toward the resurrection all oriented towards salvation, and the Lord will be lavish in grace if we're looking for those opportunities, and above all, trust Him. So that's that's the, the, the key point. And, um, you know, chapter 9, about following the Holy Spirit during times of mm-hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. I probably belabored it too much, but I was trying to capture both, you know, how do you just follow the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of a technique for doing that, and at the same time, how do we, you know, um, uh, discern whether or not the Spirit we're really following uh, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, and, and not some other spirit, you know, uh, as we're kind of moving beyond our suffering. So I, I try to to answer those questions, but I'll, I'll tell you the the one lesson I know, um, you know, that you know is that if you don't have faith during times of suffering, right it can lead to bitterness it can lead to turning inward it can learn to terrible re- it lead to terrible resentment it's it's a horrible thing whereas if you've got uh, faith during times of suffering that combination is just so life giving because suffering pl- plus faith is going to lead to you know the deepening of faith deepening of love salvation of your own soul that you know helping of others to deepen their faith and love and the salvation of their souls you could become an ignatius loyola with enough suffering and enough faith you 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 know you can change the world so i mean that that's that's the whole uh, you know irony of it and and uh, you know at first glance we don't see it and you know that that saying that jesus says you know to the synagogue leader when he's just about to raise his daughter from the the dead he said he tells him Fear is useless. What is needed is trust, and and that is so true. Fear is, in fact, useless. What is needed is trust. so um that's that's basically you know the 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 point at hand. It's to get out of that you know, um, don't bother me now, Lord, with faith and trust. I'm suffering, and I'm really mad about it. We just got out get out of that mentality. Um, And then, you know, we got to get out of another mentality, which is what I call Spitzer's most useless prayer. Dear Lord, I am suffering now. So I took the opportunity to create a list of the steps you might Uh, follow in bringing me out of my suffering in a most expeditious way. (laughs) And while I'm at it, I also decided to provide you with a recommended timetable. Maybe Mm -hmm. you could follow this and you could see my wisdom and help me to get to the desired result. Thank God, God never answered that prayer, Mm -hmm. but we all kind of do it, you know? And so I've got a list of alternative prayers and a, a list of, you know, how do you keep fear and anxiety under control? It's it's important, you know, to to, to, to be able to reflect back and to have prudential judgments and, and things of that nature. But you're right, chapter 7 and 8 are really important chapters.
0: I thought that chapter 9, that could have been a book in itself. Oh, yeah. That was so extraordinary that it's like, yeah. I this was like a feast. I didn't know where to start. This was better than Thanksgiving
1: <laughs> because oh, well, I thank just you. didn't know
0: what to put on my plate first.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Chris. I got to tell you, I i mean, I really wanted to do something totally comprehensive. And, you know, and of course, you always, you know, when you write a book on suffering, especially a big, thick, comprehensive one, you know, you, you always run two risks. The first risk, of course, is that people will go, oh, boy, a new book on suffering, just the one I'm going to go out and buy and read. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the first thing is, you know, suffering, what a, you know, but, it, you know, it should be something, the first thing we go out and read, we should prepare ourselves for this, but, you know, it's just like, I, I, I'm already suffering. I don't need to read a book about suffering. Maybe it would help you. The second thing, of course, that you run the risk because you make it a thick one and people go, that's a thick book. I'll never read it. My one thought is, if you're suffering right now, start on chapter four and finish it on chapter not with chapter nine, if you've got, you know, you know, you know, which is that's, that's a 230 page book, you know, and that, that might be a, a reasonable place to start. However, I would just say, be patient and try to, that resurrection perspective is so important. And, you know, especially for the skeptics. You know, just burrow into the Shroud of Turin, to the near-death experiences, to the new historical arguments, to the contemporary miracles from Lourdes. Just burrow into all those things and try and get as much as you can to build your confidence level in the resurrection. Because one thing is sure, if Christians do not have that resurrection perspective solidly in their mind and heart, then of course they are going to get scared and anxious in times of suffering. They're not gonna be able to live for the you know, the resurrection of the dead. They're not gonna be able to lever their suffering to an optimal good for their salvation in faith and in love or to help others to increase their faith and love. Really they're gonna just ask for one thing. Stop this suffering now. But if that resurrection perspective, if that is really fully in gear, then for all intents and purposes, I think, um, you know, suffering just will provide so many graces through that faith that we have in the resurrection, the faith that we have in the unconditionally loving God. There's no stopping us there.
0: Well, we do preach a Christ crucified. That's the triumph, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. And I think, you know, that is the greatest grace of the Christian faith is that Christ came to suffer and part of it of course is to give the total self sacrifice to others remember for Christ Jesus right self sacrifice equals love and total self sacrifice equals unconditional love so, so for him this is his unconditional love for the whole world And it's not just in word, but in total self-sacrificial action. And we can join our sufferings to his. So it's not just the fact that he shows us the way. It's not just the fact that he gives us an infinite act of love to redeem us through his suffering. He shows us the way to do this. He literally gives us the example so when we have him washing the feet of the disciples in John's gospel, the speech that he gives to his disciples afterwards, you know is really important. Uh, you call me master and Lord, and fittingly enough, for that is what I am. but if I, who am master and Lord, have washed your feet, so you must wash one another's feet as I have done, so also you must do, and of course, there is the opportunity. To join, because it's not just about the washing of the feet, that's about offering our sufferings like he did on the cross to the Father in complete self-offering. This is about following him in that self-offering so that we become like a St. Therese of Lisieux, we become like a St. Ignatius of Loyola, we become like a St. Augustine or a St. Paul, we become like a St. Teresa of Avila and when we do that there is no stopping us you know honestly we are going to change our part of the world uh, because when you get profound people are going to listen to you and there's no better way of becoming profound than a little bit of good suffering through the eyes of faith and trust and and that is the blessing that we have uh, in suffering the example given to us by our god who came to suffer and die with us mm, and a- for us
0: amen father spitzer you are <laughs> the best you really are just the best <laughs> oh
1: don't feed oh. that ego of mine okay I'm, well I i'll get just, more suffering to deplete me so,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well just receive it and uh, as a, from oh. a grateful heart and from all those who are able to experience your incredible work i wish we had more time i really do but oh, it, uh, Chris!
1: Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Oh, any final thoughts?
1: Oh no, I would just say, uh, you know, once again, uh, if you have a chance, it's uh, uh, a book by uh, from Ignatius Press, and mm-hmm. uh, you can always get it there, Amazon.com, and other places. But uh, but um, take a look at it. Don't get intimidated by the the thought, and just remember, if you build your faith up. Your suffering is going to enable you to change the world. It'll be a blessing. It will not be a curse.
0: Mm, Beautiful. Father Spitzer, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Chris.
0: With Father Robert Spitzer, we've gone inside the pages of The Light Shines On in the Darkness, Transforming Suffering Through Faith. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to Ignatius.com, the website for its publisher, Ignatius Press, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope, if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com.